0: Hi folks, I'm Duncan Gill, Child and Adolescent Psychiatrist.
1: And I'm Victoria Lee, Licensed Clinical Mental Health Counselor. And welcome to Is There a Med for That? The podcast about teen mental health, behavioral problems, and what to do about them.
0: Victoria and I have been working together for years with kids. Sometimes we use therapy, sometimes medication. Sometimes we just give guidance to parents.
1: And we realize that sometimes kids just need to be left alone.
0: We don't have all the answers, but we've got some of them. We'll do our best to share what we've learned over the years working with struggling kids and their families.
1: We hope you enjoy the show and that we can be helpful to those who have taken on the hardest, most important job in the world, being a parent. Hey, Duncan.
0: Hi, Vicky. How's it going today? It's good. We're actually being recorded video as well as audio today.
1: How are you feeling about that?
0: I feel pretty good about it. I
1: oh, feel pretty good. Me How about too. you? I feel great, and I'm excited. Our team was very helpful in putting it together, and
0: good. And this is this is my office, actually.
1: Duncan's office at work. Yep, we actually at have Direction.
0: R- real live kids next door um,
1: <laughs> versus fake ones
0: versus fake pretend patients, and um, yeah, welcome,
1: yeah, welcome. Happy to have you guys here today.
0: Today we're going to do questions.
1: Yeah, so first time with the video and first time with some call-in questions that our viewers called in.
0: I think we have two.
1: We have two today.
0: We have a sound crew. Let's just jump
1: right into it. Hi, Victoria. So my question is basically, how would you mitigate anxiety about your child potentially developing a mental illness as a parent who has mental illnesses? Mm -hmm. Good question.
0: Cool. So question was how to mitigate or reduce anxiety if you're a parent yep. with mental illness and you're having a child. So yep. uh, pregnant mother, for example, or father. Yep. The father's not pregnant, but probably not. It's going to be a father to be.
1: Father to be. Yeah. It's a good, it's a really important question. I think a lot of People probably wonder that, and maybe if they don't even wonder, it, I think it's an important question to ask yourself if you do struggle with mental illness, how does that affect how you feel about having your own children, even before you decide to be a parent? That might be actually... I know people have decided not to have kids because they worry about their own mental illness right. and how they're passing it along, or how will I do as a parent? And So a couple of pieces to the question. So one is first mitigating your anxiety
0: becoming less anxious about it
1: yep and then there's also another almost implicit question in there i think about you're worried (laughs) about your kids having mental illness
0: yeah and what to do about that as a parent yeah so it's worrying about it and it's actually doing stuff right so worrying about it's probably i mean it's you worry about your kids anyway so worrying about that for your child if if they carry genetics or that kind of thing, or you struggle in other ways and are worried about passing it on to your kids. So worrying about it makes some sense.
1: Yeah, embrace all feelings, guide all behaviors. So you got to embrace your feelings on it, that you are anxious about it. But then you want to make sure that the feelings are right-sized because you can also project our feelings onto things, right? especially our kids or other relationships.
0: Right, and it occurs to me that we have... Um, some parents who will specifically say during the interview, I'm worried because particularly, you know, if it's a mother, I'm worried because my son looks just like his father, Mm -hmm. who's acting just like his father, whom she's divorced from. And you know, she (laughs) believes that serious mental illness or a father (laughs) saying, you know, she's acting just like her mother. So that is a question we actually get from parents of teens.
1: Yeah. Yep. I'm just laughing because it's funny how in that scenario, it's the other person that you're worried about, right? Like, oh, the dad versus like yeah, yourself. You never worry about yourself. Right, right. <laughs> so it's really insightful from our caller to even be looking at self. I think that's one of the really great, beautiful part of the question is that you're bringing that first step of reflection into thinking about parenting your kids, right? Like reflecting on self and who am I in the world? Because that would probably be step one. Right, it's like you really got to make sure that you're attending to your mental health as a parent, especially if you know you have a mental health illness. Right. Maybe you have a diagnosis or not. Particularly um, if
0: you're pregnant, it's yep. really important you take care of yourself for medical reasons as well. Yep. Um, so it probably starts there, making sure you're caring for uh, mental health and um, physical health as well, because that's, you know, part of Linked. your child's development.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so making sure that you are doing whatever you need to do to keep your mental health in check and feeling good about, you know, we all have ups and downs, but generally feeling like you have, you're practicing your healthiest life possible. And then thinking about whether you have a child who's already alive and, you know, out in the world, or if you're going to have a baby soon, maybe really examining, well, what, what, is my particular mental illness? Like what do I struggle with? And what are the behavioral components of it that could affect my parenting?
0: Right, because like everything else, we divide it into biology, and that may be something you're worried about transmitting genetically.
1: Right. Which you probably can't do anything about
0: that. Not a whole lot. So it's it's actually a very good thing to be aware that um, your children inherit everything from you, right?
1: So I'd marry a stud or something like a I did.
0: Yeah, good job. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they'll inherit all kinds of good things from you, and they'll right. inherit some issues as well. And from a biological point of view, they may inherit depressive stuff, or you know, bipolar disorder, or be more anxious mm. than um,
1: your average your
0: average kid. And um, that certainly may happen. And they inherit all kinds of wonderful things, like your smile. And mm. that's a little bit like inheriting hypertension, high blood yep. pressure. And if it's something milder, like a predisposition to becoming more depressed or predisposition towards anxiety, it might be like inheriting genes for hypertension. If it's something uh, sort of more significant, like bipolar disorder, it may be more like inheriting, I'm just picking, you know, type two diabetes or something like that, where you have to care for yourself a little bit more, be more aware that that's, you know, a possibility.
1: Right. Right. So the biological piece, we can't control that
0: too late, too late. You couldn't control it anyways.
1: Right. But we could be more aware of it. Right. right? Know what the warning signs are. Um, but then also too, not going too far with that and projecting like like a two year old still going to have tantrums, whether they it's future bipolar or not Right, and not overseeing it and everything. I wonder too, with like, um, addiction or alcoholism, I think sometimes people can almost create narratives about their kids or about family members that can I don't want to say create it, but it can um, nourish and balance the narratives we come up with. So if every time your kid has a tantrum, it's something more than just them expressing their feelings, you're starting to create a narrative of their life for them that can be impactful in their identity and in your relationship with them.
0: I would say probably see that more than the reverse. Being aware that something may develop or a kid may be more prone to certain things is important. I think we see a lot of parents who probably... You are sort of too anxious about it and that comes across in their parenting yeah um I see
1: a lot of anxious parenting nowadays yeah we really do yeah
0: which is, is good in a way but it's probably too, too anxious. much
1: i think it's too much because it takes some of the joy out of it and i think it also too, um like we've talked about in past episodes parents are obviously super important but we aren't the be-all end-all in our kids lives either right and we sometimes have to get out of the way and let nature and biology and life unfold
0: take its course and if you're an anxious parent pa- anxious, it. yeah your kid's going to be anxious yeah, in some way it comes neurons. across yeah right? right like
1: when those around you are anxious you often feel more anxiety right so you actually can create it in your kids keep thinking too about like so the other biological component i don't know if you maybe you wouldn't call this biological but say moms who have postpartum depression yes Oftentimes, studies have shown that moms who struggle with that often have a hard time connecting with the baby and vice versa. So if you have mental health illness prior to having a baby, you can be more at risk for postpartum depression. So you want to be mindful of that and getting the support you need after having your baby and understanding that your mood as a parent really does affect how your child connects with you. Yeah,
0: even attachment. You can have attachment issues with a mother who's very depressed.
1: Exactly. A big part of that, I think, is the blunted affect. Right. So the baby isn't getting feedback from your face about how you're feeling right. in connecting with them. You're less likely to make eye contact if you're depressed, less likely to smile at the baby, and these are all things that help your baby grow and develop and
0: start to create social bonds. The more we talk about it, the more I think... This is more about taking care of yourself. Yeah. It's recognizing something which is important to watch for, but it has much more to do how you take care of yourself during pregnancy, yep. how you take care of yourself afterward. And we talk about role modeling, right? Yep. If you take care of yourself and um, uh, remain a positive role model, that's more important in many respects than um, the, the biology, at least early on. Yeah.
1: And then knowing if something were to develop that you can't control who your child necessarily is going to become. Right. Right. Sometimes kids have their own all the time. Kids have their own journey and their own path that they have to take. And despite our best efforts or despite all our failings, however you want to look at it, Mm. they're going to have their journey. Right. So keeping it right sized as well. It's paradoxical.
0: Like everything we talk about.
1: I know. I don't know if that's just an easy out.
0: It's totally an easy <laughs> out because you can say two different things and just say it's paradoxical and be right. Yeah.
1: Um, you full of shit. <laughs>
0: but you should take comfort in the fact, too, if you're aware of these things, um, you're much more likely to identify if problems do develop, like a kid had sword substance abuse. One of the major problems is this stuff being unidentified until late in life, and you end up, being middle aged and having trouble with alcohol or drugs because it wasn't identified. Mm-hmm. So, so the caller should take heart that being aware of these things is also protective for their child. So, right. I'm thinking increasingly, this caller should be less anxious.
1: Yeah, I I mean, like a little that. bit
0: of anxiety is okay.
1: Yeah, embrace it, but guide your behaviors.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I hope we settled this question.
1: Yeah, I'm feeling good about I it.
0: I feel pretty good about it. Should okay. should we try another one? Try another one. Let's okay. try another one. Do we have another caller?
1: We do caller.
0: If you could provide any other additional support to staff and our clients that you are not able to now, not to your own fault, what would that be?
1: Yeah. If we could provide any other services or support to clients or staff. So thinking of direction, what would it be? So this- I like, and the caller was nice enough to say at no fault to our own. Which I think would probably be Duncan's fault if we're not doing it.
0: Absolutely. Well, yeah, it all comes down to my fault, at least here. That's what Joe
1: would always say, right? Anything you like about the program you can thank me for, anything you don't like, you can blame so, Duncan. <laughs> you remember that?
0: He said, oh, yeah, you can blame me for any.
1: anything you don't like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was totally him.
1: Yeah. That was, yeah.
0: So what kinds of support and help can we offer to both staff And to children.
1: Yeah, that we don't. Like, you know, the way I kind of see the question is kind of fun, right? Like if we could, if we had endless resources and abilities, what would we do? First thing that comes to me right now is I would love to help children and their parents more. Versus like right now we really focus in on teenagers. Oh, yeah. I think it would be really cool to be able to have a PHP or an IOP for kids. Like, so like eight and up or, you know, eight to 12. Yeah. Or even like six to 12.
0: So, for folks who aren't familiar with our model, um, that's a day type program for a few hours where we can do therapy and we can meet with kids and their families and some kids may do better with meds. Yep. So, having an IOP or PHP, which is what we have for teens right now, would be great. We've talked about that before. It's just very hard to to pull these things off.
1: Yeah. And to get enough staff who can commit to it because it's not like a full-time position when you have IOP, but... Yeah, I think that would be really important for our community. And because it would be really, I think often of the teenagers we see and the parents we meet and how they often say, I really wish we had this earlier.
0: Getting early is important. Yeah. Right? So when, when I was training in Connecticut, there was a younger one. It's interesting. Um, it was quite different than working with teens because. Very
1: different. Yeah.
0: Um, on one hand, I think the problems are a little less complex. But on the other hand, they have less self-control <laughs> so yeah. it was a lot more lively in some yeah. ways playful not just playful but um difficult
1: yeah we did a summer camp that was for kids you know children struggling with mental health issues rick and i one summer we did it at direction remember and that how old were they they were i think from eight to twelve okay maybe so seven. that's the,
0: the same group how was yeah. that yeah
1: it was wonderful we loved it. Rick and I had a really good time. I mean, Rick's really good working with kids too. He's got a good energy for it. And the kids I think really took to our approach at the time and learned a lot about themselves. And we also shared some parenting tips with the parents in the program that helped them connect with their kids more and parent in a way that was less uh, arguing and fighting with the kids and more teaming up.
0: So what kinds of stuff did you do?
1: We did a lot of activities in the program. Yeah. We, we did walks. We did music. We did art. We played. We would sit down for very short groups. You know, we could sit down for an hour and a half with the teenagers here right. once they get going and Lower really talk. Attention span. But we would do shorter groups throughout the day. And is
0: the problem reimbursement actually getting paid for for that? Was that the ultimate problem?
1: Meaning like why or we time didn't continue or it? Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't really a problem. I think it's just, yeah, staffing ongoing and just, yeah.
0: Reimbursement is difficult in the whole field. That's part of the reason we can't offer more. It's part of the reason other people don't go into the field. Yeah. Is, um, unfortunately, we don't get paid for our services the way that we believe we should be. I mean, probably everybody says that, but... um, We think society should invest more in this kind of thing. Yeah,
1: From a doctor's point of view, prescribing medication, does that become scarier for you with kids?
0: Prescribing with the younger ones? I prescribe less for younger ones. Most of what we talked before about a lot of this stuff not showing up until later. Mm -hmm. Um, I prescribe less. Um, Yeah, I don't know.
1: Like if we had a children's IOP program, would you be, is that intimidating to you in any way? Because I think a big part of why there aren't other programs out there is that people feel more intimidated working with kids and especially when you're introducing potential medication.
0: Right. Not more intimidating, just would prescribe less, not because I'm worried about it, but just because they need it less, I think. Yep. Fewer of them could use it. So it'd be more Groups and psychosocial, and fa- you know, family stuff's probably yeah, more important. the parenting important.
1: thing is even more
0: important. Parents are yeah. bigger in their lives at that point. Yep. More inpatient beds would be great just for the kids who actually need, um, Spot for need a, a s- bit. safe place. And yeah, residentials where kids were, you know, so much has to do with families with these young kids. Yep. Um, we had New Hampshire Hospital recently close their whole child unit for a number of reasons. And we have very few resources for that. Mm-hmm. Um, outpatient therapy would be nice, right? F- family stuff.
1: I would really enjoy being able to do direction field trips. Oh, yeah. With the kids. Um, even if it would be like an overnight adventure somewhere. Right. And oh, I just saw an eagle flying around outside. That was cool.
0: (laughs) Benefits are huge uh, windows. Yeah,
1: we have an awesome spot here. Airplanes and birds and stuff. But I'd love to do more adventure-based stuff because I think the teenagers in particular really want to spend more time together with one another and enjoy the groups that they create here. And it would be a fun experience. Oh, and another thing I think would be really fun is coming up with some sort of Rite of passage for teenagers that we help mm. facilitate on some level here. I don't know what the hell that would look like, to be well, honest, but can I you think, explain that a little bit? Yeah, I know we've talked previously about, I think we did talk about rites of passages, but and you mentioned high school graduation as really one of the only.
0: Is it Western or is it U.S. or. Right, because this happens more in other cultures, you're saying? Yeah,
1: rites of passage. And I think for females, there's more, um, you know, like we start menstruating, you know, around 12 maybe or whatever, or and then eventually we go through childbirth, less and less it seems. But so those are some natural rites of passage from childhood into the more adult world. Right. But I think other than high school graduation, there's not, we don't really symbolically sit down and recreate or mark the transition in a way that invites kids to reflect and embark on this next adventure in their life. And I think that can be something for culture that can like subconsciously I think impact the participants in that process and also just as a spaceholder f- culturally for us that we all reflect on
0: jointly. You know Latin America and uh, quinciaños right? okay. Turning fifteen—that's a yep. very cool one because that's sort of in between start of adolescence and um, eighteen. We should do quinceaneros. Okay, we could do it for boys too. I think it's
1: just girls. I, think I don't it's know usually much about girls.
0: it. I could be wrong about that. Okay, we'll have to look I, into. Do we have some. any fact checkers here?
1: We have to hire one. I think soon. Fifteen. It's
0: fifteen years old, but is it okay. girls or boys. I think it's girls. We think girls. it's just girls. Okay, but we should do it for boys too.
1: I feel like Rick would be really helpful in coming up with some sort of really cool rite of passage. Oh, yeah.
0: One of the practical problems for field trips and stuff we've talked about this is both reimbursement, yep, but also liability as a business owner. Yeah. You have to think about that because um, it's a risk, particularly in the United States, where there's so much legal stuff and yep. a risk of liability. That's something that you know limits a lot of things we do. Where yep. kids can walk, yep. um, you know, if we can go out in cars, and you know. It's too bad. It'd be nice if there were some way to um, solve that problem so, yeah. so we didn't have to think about it so much.
1: Yeah. Yep. What other resources? As
0: far as staff go, um, we always like to be able to pay them better. Yep. Right? As our sound crew probably thinks. Yep. Um, offering full time is great.
1: Yeah. Yep. more so hours spectrum, so that yeah. you can actually create a whole life out of your work here
0: and to start out in this work you often are younger and um, sometimes are in school and then on the other side you become a licensed therapist or doc or something that's so far removed that there's a yeah. sort of period of time in between where you're not able to do this it'd be nice if there were I don't even know what that would look like, but
1: yeah, meaning like during that period of time, having more ability to make more income in the field. I think so. Yeah. Something
0: in between being licensed, right? And just either interning or um,
1: entry level. Account, entry
0: level. Yeah. Yeah. This not a whole lot. I don't think. And you look at the difference between the two, and you're talking it, two years of let's say four. So for med school, it would be you know, twelve years.
1: Yeah, to get your master's to be licensed, if you want to be a master's level clinician, you have to also do eight years So four undergrad and typically four master's.
0: Yeah. Good question, though.
1: Yeah. What other things for clients do you, like kids and their families, what else would be useful for them?
0: God, if we can do more parenting stuff. Yep. Again, it's partially a reimbursement thing. Yeah. Um... But this part of the reason we started the podcast, right, to reach more right. people. Um, be nice if. Love to go into schools more, mm. right? That'd be fun. It would be really fun.
1: I'd love to have more alumni from our program come back to talk to the current kids right. too. I think that would be a good role model example for kids. Right. That'd be fun.
0: We're going to sit down and talk about if we, uh, I guess one of the final things I think about was the idea of some kind of much bigger program where um, there's a school component or a school substitute.
1: Yeah, we've talked about that a lot, actually. An academy. So the kids who struggle with going to school, feel it's a hostile environment or just aren't successful there, they could do a schooling component here so that they can keep moving forward in school and also get the mental health treatment that they need and be in a better environment
0: it could be sort of a model because we always talk about problems with the school system and the problems kids run into and um, it would be great to start a model which theoretically could be replicated yeah. and might replace school um, for some kids school for some kids
1: yeah when what would that take like hiring right like a educator someone who knows about schooling and a ton all that of money i think yep
0: Um, a lot of regulations, I think. Um, I think you have to meet certain benchmarks, but we should talk about it more.
1: Yeah, it'd be fun.
0: Um, so yeah, I think that's something we are talk about if we like got $10 million from some generous podcast listener, what we would do with that. Hmm. So we're ready.
1: So we're ready. Yep.
0: Yeah. Our first two questions.
1: I think they're pretty good. I think we did
0: okay. So anyways, um, let's see if we can get some more questions. And yeah,
1: please call in. Please or call. what call. When should they call?
0: I think day or night. Day or night. 24 hours per day.
1: Anytime. And do they call your number?
0: Right now, like my cell phone? Yeah. Right now, I think they could call. Um, actually, the best way would be to do our email address, which oh, I believe is contact. Is there MedForThat.com? It's on our website. And you can email a question and we can get, you know follow up with a phone call, which makes okay. it more real for listeners. So Great. send us an email and,
1: and we'll go from there and we'll go from there <laughs> <laughs> and we'll call you.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah.
1: Have a good afternoon. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Is There a Med for That? For more information about our podcast and our clinical work, visit our website at medforthat.com.
0: If you've got questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover, feel free to email us at at contact@medforthat.com. We'd love to answer some of your questions on air.
1: Have a great day.